Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Think before you speak. Read before you think. Fran Leibovitz, the New Yorker, American author, public speaker, an occasional actor and central focus of Pretend It's a City, the uh, Martin Scorsese Netflix docuseries, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. Well, why am I talking about Fran Leibovitz this week? Well, I've been reading a book that's just come out, The Fran Leibovitz Reader. It's a compilation of her writings over the years. And uh, page one, chapter one, she tells a story that I thought was of huge relevance to photographers, certainly something I recognised, and I thought I would share it with you this week. So Fran says this. My caller is an agent from Los Angeles who informs me that I don't know him. True, and not without reason. He is audibly tan. He is interested in my work. His interest has led me to the conclusion that it would be a good idea for me to write a movie comedy. I would, of course, have total artistic freedom, for evidently comic writers have taken over the movie business. I look around my apartment, a feat readily accomplished by simply glancing up, and remark that Dino De Laurentiis would be surprised to hear that. He chuckles and suggests that we talk. I suggest that we are talking. He, however, means there, and at my own expense. I reply that the only way I could get to Los Angeles at my own expense is if I were to go by postcard. He chuckles again and suggests that we talk. I agree to talk just as soon as I have won the Nobel Prize for outstanding achievements in physics. I cannot count the times when I've been promised artistic freedom, total artistic freedom, most often when I've been offered the smallest amount of money in return for the work that's being offered. It's as if artistic freedom is something which I can bank. It's something that I should be pleased to receive. Of course, what I really like is to be paid properly for the work that I'm doing. And within that space, artistic freedom should come, I feel, as a given. If it isn't, why are you asking me to do it? What do you think I'm going to do? Am I going to be your puppet photographer? What I usually find is that those projects which are offering artistic freedom never actually come to fruition. Or alternatively, they get given to somebody else who doesn't really want that artistic freedom, but is happy to do it for the smaller fee. I suppose in a way it's the conundrum that we all face as photographers. We must value what we do, not only as a trade, but as a practice, as a creative practice. But we also must not be dragged into those promises that sound so wonderful at the beginning, but so often fall apart as the conversation progresses. I've spoken before about the importance of the photographer in actually educating the client. And perhaps this week's uh, example is just another example of that need, that need for us as photographers to stay strong and to ensure that we're not giving in. I hear a lot of photographers talking about the idea that you've got to give in because everyone else is. Well, that's a slightly strange take on it, although I understand. But what I also believe is it's important for our integrity, 
that we don't give in. This week, we welcome to the podcast photographer Jeffrey Stockbridge, who was born in 1982 and is a Philadelphia-based photographer and fine art printer. Stockbridge graduated from Drexel University in 2005 and opened a premier fine art printing business, Stockbridge Fine Art Print, in 2009. He is known for his large format colour photographs that document and humanise the elusive underbelly of inner city life. And his work has been featured in group exhibitions at the National Portrait Gallery in London, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the Delaware Art Museum, the Woodmere Art Museum, the Fleischer Art Memorial and the DCCA. His body of work, Kensington Blues, documents the trials and tribulations of those affected by drug addiction and prostitution along Kensington Avenue in North Philadelphia. Audio interviews, journal entries and photographs made over a period of five years come together to tell the stories of those struggling to survive the neighbourhood and themselves. My name is Jeffrey Stockbridge, and this is what photography means to me. My dad gave me my first camera when I was 16 years old, and it changed the course of my life. I grew up in a small farm town in the middle of nowhere, Maryland, and it was really quite boring. My buddies and I would drive into Baltimore and D.C. to go skateboarding, and we often found ourselves exploring neighborhoods where we really had no business being there. But when I had a camera with me, I felt different. I felt connected. I'm talking to strangers, making portraits. I was vibing with the community. It was fun and it felt meaningful. In 2001, I moved to Philadelphia to pursue a photography degree at Drexel University. At the time, there were an estimated 60,000 abandoned properties in the city, many of which were located in West Philly, where I was living at the time. I was curious, why had these homes been abandoned? What happened to the people who lived there? Photography was the perfect way for me to investigate these questions, to take what originated as a curiosity and go deep. I made photographs inside abandoned houses for years, documenting empty rooms that were far from empty. The light in the early morning and late afternoon had the power to transform the environment around me. The light possessed the memory of past occupants and revealed the human residue embedded within the walls. Making these photographs taught me how to sit still, how to be present. I felt a newfound sense of freedom in that moment as if I could stop time and wander freely. During the course of this project, I came face to face with people who were experiencing homelessness and addiction. People who had been abandoned by society and sought refuge in the vacant houses I was photographing. I saw this as an opportunity and began to make portraits with my four by five. It was an intimate and methodical process and it allowed me to really get to know somebody in a personal way. It was these early portraits that led me to the neighborhood of Kensington in North Philadelphia, where I would go in and make photographs for the next 10 years of my life. I became fascinated by the people I met on Kensington Avenue, people who, in spite of losing everything as a result of their addiction, 
also seem to possess an incredible strength and will to keep going. I was witnessing resilience firsthand and sought to make compassionate photographs that humanized those who had been dehumanized by society. This is when I first felt that photography had the power to transform people's lives in a positive way and make a tangible difference. I brought pictures back to the people I met on the avenue and it provided some with a moment to self-reflect. It was transformative. I was gaining the trust of the community and becoming a part of it. I started a blog where I posted photographs online with audio recordings and the response was overwhelming. People in the community, as well as others who live far away, wrote in to share their own stories about addiction, about survival and the neighborhood. You know, photography can be a mirror to the world, but it's not just a way of seeing. For me, it's a way of being. Photography is a common language, one that encourages people to connect in a compassionate way and explore deeper meaning in their lives and the lives of others. The act of making photographs makes me feel grateful. When I'm making a picture, I'm contemplating life. And in that moment, if I'm lucky, I often have the feeling that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Thank you, Jeffrey, for your contribution this week. Once again, such an incredibly positive and powerful contribution, particularly interested there in the fact of Jeffrey using the audio alongside the still image, the idea of ephemera also being important in that building of a body of work. That's certainly something I talk about quite a bit, actually, the idea of expanding the possibilities of narrative and storytelling alongside the photographic image, also something that ties in very well with what I've been talking about in previous episodes about the idea of gallery exhibitions and festivals needing to be more immersive in different ways. That's certainly something I'll be talking about on the New Year's Eve podcast also. And of course, Jeffrey starting there with the beginning of his contribution with explaining how the giving of the camera as a child completely changed his life. And that's, again, something else that's appeared on so many contributions to the podcast when people look back and think about what photography means to them. I wonder how many young photographers are going to get a camera this Christmas and it's going to change their lives also. Very interesting to think about Jeffrey's uh, work with fine art printing alongside his photographic practice, because I was talking to some people in the last week about photographic prints. It's quite interesting how nowadays so few people actually print their work. They're seeing their work as a bat lit image, a stained glass window of photography, a, a digital stained glass window, if you like, and it's being engaged with on screens with that light coming through and therefore creating a completely different kind of image to the printed image. When the image is printed, so often I hear that people are disappointed with that print. 
primarily because the light is no longer coming from the back, it's now coming from the front. That therefore requires much better understanding of how the exposure is made in camera. Shadow details need to be controlled, as do mid-tones. A reliance on a Photoshop post-production fix can often take the image away from what is actually printable. What that also requires is an understanding of photographic printing. I'm really lucky I spent a lot of my early life as an art director printing and on printing presses, so I understand that requirement. But that requirement is also of the file that is sent to the printer. The creation of a printable file is something that I very rarely hear taught or people understanding. Quite often the file that is sent to print needs to be quite different to what the actual printed image is going to appear as. There needs to be understanding of how shadow areas will close down, for example, how highlights couldn't get blown out, and most importantly, how colour balance can change. So few monitors nowadays are colour balanced or colour checked, so surely photographers should not be surprised when the image they get back as a print is not what they expected, and it certainly isn't going to be what they see on their screen. Certainly an area, I think, for self-education, but also perhaps it kind of raises the issue that if you are going to get your work printed, it's really important to have a really good relationship with the person who's printing that work. Difficult with online printing and just sending stuff off, but certainly possible to go in and meet that printer and discuss with them how they're going to actually make your print and what they are looking for. Yet another, I suppose, cry out for communication amongst different areas of the photographic practice to ensure that the final image is exactly what you want. I don't know what it is, but some weeks I just feel the muse hit me and I feel the desire to write articles. And in the last week, I, I suppose I've been doing quite a lot. So as well as this podcast, and if you enjoy the kind of conversations and stuff that goes on this podcast, uh, we exist on unitednationsofphotography.com, the website. I'm really pleased that in the last week, we've just passed 500,000 visits. There's a huge amount of material there for you to check out. But in the last week, I've written three articles, which I think you might find of interest one of which has certainly gained a huge amount of interest. Anyway, so the first one was, where is the next level? And has anybody seen it? Written primarily because I keep hearing people promoting the fact that you can go to the next level or you should go to the next level. I had no idea where this level was or if it even exists. So if you feel like me concerning that, there's an article for you to read. You can see what I think and uh, be really interested to get your feedback. Secondly, festivals don't need themes, they need audiences. That's a reflection, I suppose, on the themes for festivals and whether or not that's a good idea. And the idea of curated festivals also. Are they a good idea? 
So that might be something that uh, sparks your interest. The one, I suppose, which was the big one of the last week, which certainly has been getting a lot of traction, is NFTs, an open-minded and curious series of observations. I went deep down into the NFT world. I joined the forums. I followed the uh, Twitter uh, accounts of different NFT people. I wasn't interested in the financial side of it, really. I wasn't really interested in, in the ecological issues around NFTs either. What I was interested in were the people who were involved in it. Why were they involved in it? What was their expectation? And what were they getting out of it? Now, NFT seems to really split the audience. It splits photographers. People are either don't want to hear anything about it or are evangelical about it. There seems to be no middle ground. Maybe that's an analog digital thing again. Maybe that's what we're experiencing. I don't actually think so. And I think that you will find my observations of interest. If you've got no interest in NFTs, I still recommend reading it. If you have a lot of interest in NFTs, again, I recommend reading it. And I want to hear what you think about it. It's certainly an area which is going to be a big theme of the coming years. I don't think we can avoid it. But as with everything, I think it's really important that we try and understand it. If, like me, you're involved in photographic education, you will know that the semesters are coming to an end and you're facing a couple of weeks of marking work. Actually, something I really enjoy. If you're a working photographer, you'll realise that clients are starting to wind down for Christmas. And in the past, I have to say, I used to love this time because... It was when I'd go and have very boozy lunches in Soho in London with most of my clients. It always got me ready for Christmas. This year, it's going to be different again, I'm sure, for many. Although, hopefully, we'll still be able to have that kind of physical connection with each other, with our clients, with our friends, with fellow photographers. I think the most important thing is to try and stay strong. It's been a hell of a year. Our next podcast episode is our Christmas special. And as such, it's unlike anything else we do all year. So I really recommend you check that one out, especially if you're getting bored with me, my voice and uh, what we do every week. I hope you're not. Certainly, the feedback I get about the podcast will uh, suggest that you're not. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast as much as previous podcasts. Uh, look out for our Christmas issue. And of course, over the coming weeks, make sure you have fun, make sure you indulge and make sure that you take care. <laughs>